Amen, Lord. Amen. Why don't we take our Bibles if you brought one here this morning? Oh. Hey, I've had fun with you uh, talking about prayer the last few weeks. We had a little season of uh, prayer and fasting as a church family. I uh, don't know how that related for you or how you participated, but we had a great time uh, praying on Tuesday night as a church family. Uh, really appreciated just what I felt we accomplished in prayer together. I wanted to do one last uh, message in this series. Uh, the title of this message, by the way, is World Changers. That might sound a little grandiose to you, uh, but I really believe uh, that's who we are uh, in the day we live. So I'm going to have you turn to 1 Kings 18 this morning uh, in the Old Testament again. By the way, if you're watching online this morning, I want to welcome you. Uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but we have somewhere you know, between 200 and 400 people who will watch us online on Sundays, which is neat. Welcome this morning. And, uh, Thanks for joining in. Uh, 1 Kings 18, um, uh, I think most of us are familiar with the prophet Elijah. Uh, he was known as the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Some of you remember when Jesus was transfigured uh, up on the mountain. I think it's Matthew 17. Uh, there was Moses, Elijah. Of course, Jesus was uh, transformed. It's interesting, uh, men who were more than a thousand years old were alive and well. I don't know if that gives you hope, but uh, yeah, they were more than a thousand years old and they were there with Jesus up on the mountain. That's exciting for us. Uh, why don't you tell your neighbor, you're gonna live forever. Thankfully, not in this body. Hallelujah. Yeah. Elijah was probably most famous uh, for uh, what we're going to read about today in, in, in 1 Kings 18. It's kind of a showdown, if you want to call it that, on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah. People of Israel had fallen away from the Lord and uh, begun worshiping uh, Canaanite gods, which led them into all kinds of immoral, hedonistic practices, temple prostitution, child sacrifice. I can't imagine becoming that depraved in your mind, uh, that deceived, that superstitious, or that fearful, that you would sacrifice your baby in fire so that you could be successful in life and that you could uh, not have the anger of the pagan gods, uh, some of the fearful things that were part of their culture. Uh, just, I just can't imagine becoming that depraved. But nevertheless, people were. And of course, God, in his love for the nation of Israel, his desire to bless them, he sent a drought so that he could call uh, them back to himself. He told Elijah in chapter 17, uh, there will be no rain uh, except by my word. And uh, it was so uh, for almost three and a half years. Uh, the land was devastated. They had no irrigation systems, of course. They depended on the rain every year for their crops. Uh, their crops, of course, they had none. The grass for grazing their animals was gone. Uh, three and a half years later, uh, God in his mercy uh, decided to send uh, Israel rain again. But first he told Elijah to go to King Ahab and to gather together the people of Israel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 uh, prophets of the Asheroth and meet him at Mount Carmel. 
Uh, so King Ahab uh, did, uh, of course, what Elijah said. We're going to pick it up in verse 21. First Kings 18, it says, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Elijah went from there to present a challenge. He said, Bring two bowls and, uh, so that we can offer a sacrifice. You choose one. You build an altar to your God. But don't set fire to it. And he said, I will uh, take the other one. I'll build an altar to the Lord, and uh, I won't set fire to it. And, 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 and then he said in verse 24, then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And then all the people said, uh, what you say is good. They accepted the challenge. Prophets of Baal went first. We're going to jump down to verse 26, and I'm going to read down through verse 46. It says, <clears throat> so they took the bull uh, given them and prepared it. Uh, then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. Uh, no one answered, and they danced around the altar uh, they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought, or busy, or traveling. Some translations say maybe he's in the latrine. <laughs> maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder, slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until the blood flowed. Of course, um, you know, uh, mutilation is part of uh, satanic worship. Certainly, a part of a lot of. Uh, cultish types of worship and practices from other religions. Interesting, it was there with the Canaanites as, as well. Uh, beginning verse 30, he said, Then Elijah said to the people, oh, excuse me, verse 29, Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response, and no one answered, no one paid attention. Uh, then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. Uh, they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Uh, Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, descended from Jacob, uh, to whom the word of the Lord had come, uh, saying, Your name shall be called Israel. Uh, with the stones, he built up the altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, uh, in, uh, large enough to hold two seas of seed, several gallons. Uh, he... He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the fire. Uh, then he said to them, fill four jars full of, uh, with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, uh, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Uh, answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Then all the people, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. 
Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Part of the Old Testament, of course, uh, if you were a false prophet, you were to be killed. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Totally blue sky. Hasn't rained for three and a half years. Go eat and drink, for there's the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to Egypt and to and drink. <clears throat> so Ahab went off to Egypt to eat and drink. And uh, excuse me, I'm not doing very well. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. There we go. Uh, but uh, Elijah went to work. He climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the, the sea. He told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servants reported, a cloud as small as a, a man's hand is rising from the sea. So imagine Mount Carmel. He's looking out over the Mediterranean Sea. That's about 60 miles away uh, from Mount Carmel. So he's looking out over the ocean, basically as if you were on the Oregon coast looking out over the ocean. He's looking out over the Mediterranean Sea, and he sees this cloud come up about the size of a man's uh, hand. Uh, So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is a great story, obviously. My favorite part is probably yours, where they declare, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How many could say amen to that? The Lord, he is God. Why was this challenge so important, this display of power? I'll say it there. Why was it so important? Because in the Old Testament, the God of Israel was God Almighty. He, He was the Lord. And he demonstrated his power over and over again with the parting of the Red Sea. Some of you remember, uh, I think it's Joshua 10, where Joshua prayed that the sun wouldn't go down because they were defeating their enemies and they wanted more time. And the, and the sun stood still. The Lord answered his prayer for 24 hours while they fought their enemies. He was the God of power uh, throughout the Old Testament, of course. The walls of Jericho uh, came tumbling down. That was... Uh, Such a significant part of who he was. To say you were a prophet in the Old Testament and have no power was unthinkable. It's just unthinkable. In fact, uh, if you look at verse 24 in chapter 17, there's a woman who brings her son uh, to Elijah who has died and asks him uh, to, to pray Great story, I'll let you read it on your own. Uh, And, of course, Elijah prays for him, and he's raised from the dead. And uh, here's what she says. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord uh, from your mouth is true. Wouldn't that be a great requirement of Bible college? You've taken synoptic gospels, that's awesome. You've taken Bible survey, you learned about the Old Testament. Now we want to see if you can raise the dead. Uh, then we'll know that you're a man of God. <laughs> and what you say, the words from your mouth, are true. I think we would weed out a few. Uh, probably me. Um, 
<laughs> why, was the, why was the fire so significant? How many know that God is holy? He's holy. I don't know if you've ever been in a fire. Uh, I, I worked uh, summer um, in fire service and got to be within probably 100 feet at times from trees that would get so hot they would explode and it calls, it's called crowning. Fire is an awesome thing. And in the Old Testament, okay, the idea that God was holy, there was always a connection with fire. Remember when, when God led the nation of Israel, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. The fire of God came down on the tent of meeting. The fire of God came down on the, mount, uh, the mountain of God, the Mount Horeb, where, where he, he gave the Ten Commandments. So fire was often a sign of God's presence in the Old Testament. See, I, I really don't believe the fire was here to frighten them although it certainly was a display of power, but it was a re reminder of the holiness of God. And this entire miracle was to draw the people of Israel back to God, to separate themselves from the gods of this world and, and to be separate to, to serve the Lord. There are a lot of religious ideas, uh, a lot of religious teachers there has been throughout history. There was in Israel's history. There are in the day we live. There was during the times of the New Testament. All of them have claims for, uh, you know, the way to happiness, the way to peace, the way to self-control, the way to success in life. But the God of Israel, uh, our God, he's totally separate. He is holy. And he comes with power power, part of the Old Testament, part of the New Testament, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he proved it by rising from the dead. See, no other religious teacher has done that. There's no other religion in the culture. What is unbelief? Jesus said it in John 16, the, the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, because they don't believe in me. They refuse to believe in me. They reject me. Jesus demonstrated God's love and God's power. And yet people refuse to believe. And of course, that's a choice that they have to make. But it's interesting right here, even in this picture of fire coming down from heaven. Uh, the holiness of God in the Old Testament, there's also a presentation of the gospel. In fact, look here at, um, at, at verse 29, 1 Kings 18. All the prophets of Baal are praying and worshiping. It says, uh, verse 29, midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until evening. Uh, for the for the time until the evening time of the evening sacrifice, uh, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. C can you imagine going through life with your own ideas, your own religious beliefs, your own religious values? You come to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed, and there's no one there. There's no one there to answer your cry for help. 
There's no one there to answer your cry. That's, sadly, that's the condition of the world we're living in and the people around you who refuse. You need to know that Christianity is hated in America. It's hated. People hate Christians. Now, there are a lot of people that are wishy-washy and they ride the fence and they'll put up with you. But there's a spirit of the world, the Antichrist, that hates Christianity in the world today. And we're up against that today. And, and you need to know there's a clear line. It's just... Can I tell you what Jesus said? John 11, verse 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. See, when you, when you get ready to die, you won't be alone. The Lord will hear you. And he will be there. And he will be the resurrection and the life. Could someone say hallelujah? Our God is a God of power. Our God is a God of power. He was in the book of Acts. He is today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God of power, and he is holy. It says in Acts 4, verse 12, there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's holy. And, and there, there's a fight for that in our culture. And by the way, there's a fight for that in your lives constantly. I love this picture. Look at verse 30. Here's the gospel. Here, here's the gospel. Okay, the holiness of God comes. The presence of God visits his people. He's drawing them back to him. He's not trying to frighten them. He's trying to draw them back. He's trying to set himself apart. He's not like the pagan gods, okay? Fire comes down to draw the people back to himself. And then look at verse 30. Here's the gospel. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. See the love? Come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. The whole idea of repairing the altar of the Lord here is, is to rebuild real worship. Because what you worship will change your life and change your walk. Uh, our, our walk and our lifestyle is determined by who we worship. Okay? Our moral values. Our happiness in our soul. And so he, he, he's leading them back to God. He's repairing the altar, the way of worship and the way of walk. The way to walk, to, to, to serve the Lord. is such a, a powerful picture of Jesus. Come here to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's such a powerful picture of the gospel here in these moments. Now let's look at uh, Elijah's prayer, beginning in verse 41, okay? He tells uh, King Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rains. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Sky's blue. <laughs> it hasn't rained for three and a half years. Where is this sound of heavy rain? It's in his spirit. The Lord told him it was going to rain. And apparently when the Lord told him it was going to rain, he saw a picture of heavy rain. And that word of the Lord is in the spirit. How many have ever had the word of the Lord in your spirit? You know it's there. When you have the word of the Lord, you can pour water on the sacrifice. 
Because you know that he's going to, nothing's going to stop him from accomplishing what he said he would. When you have the word of the Lord in your heart, he's got the word of the Lord in his heart. He's got the word of the Lord in his heart. I hear the sound of, of heavy rain. And then, of course, so he climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He bends down with his head between his knees. I don't think I could do that. <clears throat> Maybe one of you could. Maybe if you do something. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Maybe I could do it this way. Oh, maybe if I got something higher. <laughs> Apparently he prays more than I do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such, a, such an interesting picture. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But it, it's a powerful picture of prayer. Now why, if God said it's going to rain, why didn't Elijah just, you know, chill? Why didn't Elijah just say, well, you know, God said it, do it. I'm just going to relax. Why didn't he just trust God and wait? Because God works through people. God works through prayer. In Genesis chapter 2, God said, I'll give you dominion. I'll give you as human beings dominion over the earth. So believe it or not, God works through the foolishness of preaching to save people. If you don't talk about Jesus, no one's going to get saved. God works through people. And if you don't pray, although the heaven is filled with the promises of God, read the book. It's prayer that makes the invisible visible. It's prayer that brings about the promise of God and the purpose of God. God works through people. Uh, D.L. Moody said, every great movement of God can be traced to a single praying, kneeling figure. God works through prayer. Ten years ago, I was at a conference and uh, one of the uh, leaders He's the four-square leader for the country of Sri Lanka. Leslie Kegel is his name. He went there, oh, about 40 years ago. And uh, I think percentage of Christians in Sri Lanka was less than 1%. And he started his church in, in a kind of like a, almost like a garbage dump. Just people living in little shanties, very, very poor uh, but he felt like that's where God wanted him to start the church, and he just began to pray. And uh, he said his church started one day. His church started one day when uh, he went to this door to talk about Jesus. Just he was just going door to door, as actually you know curtain to curtain, because that's the kind of houses. And uh, there was a little boy that came to the door, and when he came to the door. Uh, he was frightened and he, he ran and hid and he was obviously very, very crippled. And um, the, uh, the, the mom then came to the door and, and, uh, and uh, asked him what he was there for. And, um, and he said he wanted to talk about Jesus. And, uh, she, and, and then she said, sorry for my son and the way he acted and uh, he's crippled and blah, blah, blah. And he said, could I see him? And... Uh, she was a little embarrassed, and, and, and she finally said, well, yes, and he came in, and he prayed for him, and he was miraculously healed, totally restored. 
In fact, he's one of uh, the pastors in Sri Lanka now. And uh, that kind of man, when he talks, I listen. Okay, so he was just given a prophecy at the, at the uh, conference 10 years ago. He said God is going to start something in the United States to the Hispanic culture. And a revival is going to break out and it's going to begin with Hispanic people in America. And uh, I started praying then and my spirit I saw. I saw Hispanic people leading worship in our church 10 years ago. I saw God doing something in our community, in our city, uh, bringing people to Christ. And it's kind of neat to see Caleb up here leading worship uh, now and, and how the Lord spoke something 10 years ago that uh, he began to fulfill when Caleb's dad and mom came to me one day and said they felt called to our church. And uh, she began to, Sonia, my secretary now, began to volunteer. And, and it's just been neat to see how God is unfolding uh, something in the life of our congregation to reach out to our community in the future. Every great movement of God can be traced to a single, kneeling, praying person. Prayer is powerful. It's, it's important. It, it changes the world. It's not that God isn't full of compassion but God works through people as we preach and as we pray. Someone say amen. He's limited himself to work through people. James chapter 5, uh, verse 13 through 18. Um, uh, James said, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Hallelujah. Let him sing songs of praise. Is, is any of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Could we read that part together? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Let me read verse 16 again. The prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, is powerful and effective. And verse 17, Elijah was a man. He was human, had skin, just like us. Now, now there are a lot of promises, and I've mentioned that in, in the Word. There are a lot of promises, and I, I don't know what your favorites are. Uh, one that is fairly familiar, I'll mention, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. To give you a future and a hope. Now, the, the Lord gave that word through Jeremiah during a very dark time in Israel's history. They, they'd just been taken captive into Babylon. Uh, they hated it. They just, they hated being in Babylon. They'd lost everything. They had to start all over. Complete restart in their lives. And that's when the Lord said through Jeremiah, wait a minute, it looks terrible now. 
But I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. How many believe that's God's promise? It was promised to Israel, but it's promised today for many of us when our lives are burnt or scorched or, you know, when things have turned out, we're starting all over again. But that promise is fulfilled as we pray. Now, there are practical things we have to do, obviously, to follow the path of the Lord in our life, to have wisdom, be in fellowship, grow in a relationship with God. But God promises, I know the plans. I made you for a purpose. Your, your, your life is not just nebulous out there. It's not just meaningless out there. I have a purpose. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And our job is to get lined up with his plan. Could someone say amen? And, and pl- pray it through to completion. We are bringing things that are invisible into visibility. God sees them. He saw them before the foundation of the earth. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were created, recreated, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God saw them before time began. And the church on its knees brings them to fruition. Prayer is so important. We can only do the work of God by the power of God. And I'm going to put this up on the screen to help you remember it. We can only do the work of God by the power of God. If you're at all concerned about doing the work of God. And some of us, to be honest, I'm just going to, some of us, to be honest, our, 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 our faith is totally self-centered. It's all about us being happy. It's all about us prospering. It has nothing to do with what's on God's heart for his kingdom, his glory, and his honor. And there's something about the culture in America that has made us a very selfish and self-centered people until we come to the place in our life where our life is about God's kingdom, about his will, and about his glory, then we're going to continually struggle, fall back. But when it becomes about him and his kingdom and his glory, it changes the whole purpose, the whole motivation, the whole perspective of your life. That's what God has called us to do. We can only do the work of God by the power of God. How many want to do the work of God? I, I, I need a little bit more support here. <laughs> How many want to do the work of God? <laughs> yeah, I know you're, you know you're older and you don't care. And you're, you know, you're not, you're not, no, you, know, you don't need Caleb up here jazzing you up, okay? You don't meet me up here jazzing you up. I want to do the work of God. And I hope you do too. I hope your life is worthless. Literally. Worthless. Means nothing to you. Unless you want to do the work of God. What else could matter? What else could matter? Get to heaven. Can you imagine getting to heaven? Wow. I can't believe all the money you got in your 401k. That was awesome. Here, take all that gold and pave some streets here in heaven, you know? I mean, is, is that what it's going to be all about? I don't know. I'm getting off track here. Help the boy. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to have the worship team come up in just a minute. But let me give you a couple of things that are enemies to, to prayer. And here's where we struggle. Number one enemy, invisibility. Okay? Nothing's happening. I don't see anything happening. Verse 41 says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go off and eat and drink, for there's the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up to go to work, climbed up the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. By the way, I've heard it said that the, perp- the idea of uh, head between his knees, that's the birthing position in the Eastern culture for a woman to give birth. How many know they don't have a birthing room out there in the rice paddies? Much as they would like one, you know, they stop working in the rice paddy long enough to go to a place where they can bend over and deliver their child. They wrap their child up, put it on a front pack or backpack, and they go back to work. So this picture of his head between his knees is a picture of birthing. And we give birth to the promise of God through our prayers. But they start out invisible, And and that is so hard. We're praying for a family member or a loved one, and we don't see anything happening. Invisibility. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Can you imagine? Servant comes back to Elijah seven times. Nothing. Not a cloud in the sky. I always wondered why Elijah didn't go up and look himself. Why did he send his servant? I think it was because he wanted to focus on the unseen, not on what was seen. He wanted to focus on the unseen. He was focusing on his spirit. (sighs) Hebrews 11.1, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So, invisibility is one of the enemies to prayer. Another one is insignificance. Uh, The seventh time... Uh, The servant reported, uh, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Why don't you stick your hand out there? Imagine, okay, I'm up on a mountain, and I'm I'm looking out there over the ocean. That's, that's, I mean, it's not much. Mediterranean Sea, sorry. It's not much. It's not much. Insignificance. One of the reasons why we give up too soon on what God has put in our heart is insignificance. We just don't see it happening. We don't see anything manifesting uh, quick enough. How many have ever gone to the gym to work out, you know, made the New Year's resolution or you joined Planet Fitness? It's only $20 or 20 cents. 20 cents down and $10 a month. Hallelujah. You, You get there and you're just a little out of shape. You're a little pudgy trying to find some workout outfit that makes you look thin, you know. And, uh, you know, there's all these people that are in shape, just kind of, it's kind of discouraging. Once you get started, you know, you begin to change, you start feeling, it's hard to start. And and there are many people who, you know, insignificance, just there's nothing happening, it's it's not happening fast enough. Many times insignificance uh, keeps us from praying through to the answer. Uh, to the answer and the manifestation of what God has promised. Uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. By the way, that prophecy was when they started rebuilding the temple, and it just didn't look like much in comparison to the glory of the old temple. 
the prophet Zechariah said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I mean, look what God has done through Jesus. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit throughout the world, all around the globe. How many think the temple's a little bigger today than it was back then? God promised he was gonna do something new and he said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. The last thing, I will invite the worship team to come here. The last thing we struggle with is just confidence in our prayers. And I, I appreciate Elijah here so much, his confidence. But in the New Testament, we have a gift. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in my name. And that was totally new. Pray in my name. Can you imagine? We never feel righteous enough to pray, do we? But we're not praying in our righteousness. We're praying in Jesus' name, aren't we? So we come in Jesus' name. And the things that we're praying for, we're praying for the things that Jesus wants to do. I mean, doesn't that give us confidence? When you pray, pray in my name. I'm praying for people to get saved. I'm praying for people to get healed. All the things that I saw Jesus do in his ministry are things he wants to do today. Could someone say amen? Because of that, I have confidence. Father, not for my name's sake, but for Jesus' sake. Lord, I pray in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit. I come in Jesus' name. I stand in his righteousness, and I pray for his kingdom, his glory, and his honor on earth as it is in heaven. I pray in his name. And that's what gives me boldness and confidence to pray. I'm going to invite you to stand here anything you're going to do. I don't know if the picture of head between your knees is a good one. Even getting down on your knees. There are times when I get up in the morning where I just get a cup of coffee and sit in the chair and I kind of pray there in the chair. And then there are times where I just physically have to get on my knees. And I want to ask you here this morning, how long has it been since you were on your knees in prayer? How long has it been since you were on your knees when you were coming to God in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for one of His promises to be fulfilled on earth? as in, You can't see it yet, but you're believing Him to do it. Maybe you're up against something that's challenging. You know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you're asking, Jesus, for your glory and for your honor, strengthen me today. We, we need to learn to get on our knees in prayer. Maybe not every day. But there are times where we need to seek. There are times where we need to labor and give birth to the promise of God. And Lord, I just want to ask you to Help us today. Lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes to you because you've called us to be world changers. Lord, to change history through our prayers, giving birth to your promises through our prayers. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray for me. This series, this time of pressing in and praying has been so good for me. just want to thank you for it here this morning. Lord, you see our hearts, you hear our prayers this morning. We thank you for that.